Um, everyone, everyone, welcome, welcome to Cannon Snakes and Olympio. Um, Ryan's not going to be here this week. I'm joined with Danielle as always, and uh, we have a special guest this evening since Ryan is unable to make it. Um, Joseph from Couch and Fan Blocks. How you doing? I'm good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We've we've wanted to do this for a really long time, so I'm I'm glad we've had the opportunity to sort of um, get to it. Um, so before we start, I just want to just to give everyone sort of an idea. Um, you're, why did you become a Juventus fan? Just to start off the show. Well, the moment I became a Juventus fan was in February of 2006 when Del Piedo scored an amazing free kick against Inter, and that was big in deciding okay. the title. And I think the big reason was because Del Piedo was my favorite player before that, and I just decided to root for Juve. Okay, yeah. that's that's fair. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, so let's 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 get things rolling. Okay. Um, so as you guys know, the Syria is is supposedly supposed to um, come back June 13, 14, something like that. Uh, it's unclear whether it's going to happen. Um, but uh, in the in this this week, there was some stuff about a potential playoff um, among the teams that are in European places to decide the the title. Um, so I'm going to go to you, Daniel, first. What do you think about that, and what are the effects of, of this happening? Um, that, I mean, the playoff situation, I, of course, know that it kind of favors um, teams like Juventus and Napoli, who do really well in play, uh, playoff-type positions, whereas some of the other teams kind of struggle a little bit. But overall, it would be a great – Thing to get at least some way of determining who's the title winner, even if it's just through a playoff. And just in general, with football being back, I'm in heaven right now. All right. Um, cool. Uh, so, Joseph, what do you think about that? And do you think it benefits particular clubs? And if the, the winner of this thing ends up being not one of the favorite clubs. Do you think there's an asterisk attached to it because of the situation? Well, definitely there's an asterisk, but the question is, will the club that wins this playoff actually accept the trophy? That's a big question. I think Juve's owner already said he wouldn't accept the Scudetto if it was determined this way or the season was canceled and, you know, it, uh, it was based on the previous results. And also I think that you know, it's going to be tough. Why would you do top six teams? I don't think that, you know, Napoli necessarily has earned the right to be in a playoff because they were so far behind, same as Inter, Atalanta, Roma. So I just think it's kind of unfair in that sense to Juve and Lazio especially. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I mean, if some way like Roma or Atalanta or Verona or Napoli, one of these teams ended up winning it, it, it just wouldn't feel the same because yeah. just um, from my perspective, um, Lazio and, and Juventus have been um, so much better than everyone else. And I think I like the playoff because it's, it's a solution, but I would still prefer being able to see out the rest of the season just because um, I think that would be potentially like robbing us of a um, title race that we wanted to see continue, even if it's, not the same thing and even yeah. without fans but I think as far as that I just I'm just not I'm not in, in favor of it just because of that but um if it's the only way we get to see the season f 
finish, I'd be okay with it. But uh, like you guys stated, I think it's just um, it could potentially have um, an asterisk attached to it. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think the playoff. The problem with the playoff is uh, again the fairness. Who knows how many clubs will actually agree to it? And then also, if you tr- decide to play out the rest of the season, you have to consider that a lot of players will be tired going into next season. So you may have to implement the five substitutions rule over to the next season as well, not just this season. So I think there's factors to consider as well. Uh, Danielle, what do you think about that? I actually agree. I mean, as we've seen, Germany is already back. So, and they're implementing the five substitutions because of player fatigue. But I do agree if it were to continue and to combat the fatigue, you would have to at least consider taking that to the next season a little bit, just so players are more well rested and like refreshed because they're not going to have a break like they're used to. And then on top of that, you have to consider doing that because next year is also the 2021 euros. So you need to be able to, have time between each so you can actually get like the fresh legs and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right. I agree. I agree with that. I think um, we're just in a tricky situation because of the whole COVID-19 thing. And um, I still think if, if certain things are, are going well, we should at least try to have an opportunity to see out the last um, 12 games or whatever it is. Um, because I feel bad for, you know, teams that are not usually in this position, um, like um, Verona p- potentially getting into Europe. And then you have Lazio haven't been in a title race like this in a long time. And I think if you just chalk that off, I think it, it would be problematic for those teams trying to continue to do that. But I think we should at least be able to see how the story ends. Um, so that's, that's sort of my, my um, look on it. Um, anyway, so uh, moving on. Um, so, D- Danielle, you and I have talked about this already um, briefly on a few um, on a few shows. Um, so, well, I just just reaffirm your case about. Um, so, the question is: Has Cristiano Ronaldo's ex- experiment failed so far? Um, and so far, because we don't know what's going to happen over the next few years, but. Um, just re-put um, your case of what you think, and then um, then we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, I, of course, think it absolutely failed. Um, as stated in previous episodes where we've discussed this just briefly, um, he was pretty much brought in to help win the Champions League. And before this whole coronavirus thing started, they were on, almost on their way out of the Champions League. And... So, in my opinion, the experiment failed, and I am not saying it was a bad idea, but it was a bad idea because either way, no matter what, Juventus has won the title even without Cristiano Ronaldo. So, just to see him brought in just to help win the Champions League, was terrible. I mean, you could have just used what you had, they had available. All right. I hear that. What do you think about that? So, Justin? as a Juve fan, I'll be honest with you. I think 
it has been a failure, obviously not revenue wise, because it's obviously not for a bunch of reasons. But yeah, I think it's been a failure just because the UVA management hasn't surrounded him with good enough midfielders or good enough right backs. So he can't carry the team. Like it's tough because he needs service, right? So if you don't have that service, then it's going to be tough to win the Champions League, no matter who you are. You could be Maradona. It could be Maradona and Pelé up there. It doesn't matter. If you don't have the midfield, you won't win the Champions League. Do you think that's somewhat on him, though? Because he he knew what the team he was going into, and the team that he he initially joined didn't have a lot of creative players in the midfield. Other than I don't know, maybe Dybala if you if, if he plays it, but most of the team has wasn't you know exciting through the midfield like Juve teams of the past. Well, of course it is. I think it's his latter years to Juve because. Of course, in his latter years, he's changed his style of play. Before, he used to dribble a lot more, not necessarily playmake, but he used to be a better dribbler, and he used to create a lot more offense. So I think it's just unfortunate Juve bought him at the time they did because he completely changed his style to almost being like a striker. Yeah, and I've seen a little bit. She's still obviously world-class and all this stuff, but, but I've also seen a little bit of deterioration um, just slightly, and the players around him aren't, other than like Dybala, it just feels like that he's not capable of of overcoming what's around him. And I think that's mostly on the management part of it, just because they haven't given him the pieces. If they had brought in someone like, I don't know, someone like Pogba or something <laughs> like that, with maybe not first year, but the second year, I think it could have made a huge difference. And now you're, you're, I'm hearing all these reports as a Juve fan. Oh, Juve is going for Jorginho or they're going for Tonali. But it's really the Juve management should be not focusing on, you know, just repairing the holes with duct tape. They should actually go full throttle and be willing to spend the money to address the midfield. Because if they don't, this will be a failed project and will be the laughing stock of probably Italy and maybe around Europe. Right. What player do you think, I mean, other than Pogba, because I just feel like he's the obvious one, what other player out there do you think would be a worthy investment of of what they're trying to accomplish? So, this is a tough one. I would honestly love Malinkovic Savage because I like how he's a box-to-box midfielder. But the problem is Lazio will never sell to Juve for a number of reasons, and his price would be astronomical. It would be crazy. Yeah, that would be a good one. Um, but um, I think they tried doing a deal a few years ago and it just didn't work out. Plus, I think after this season for Lazio, it just seems like they're, they're, they're going to try to hold on to everybody as they possibly gonna can. It's going to be tough, but they're going to um, really try. Yeah, I mean, I think they have money to do it and it could be complicated because of the virus and stuff, but like... They got to give Ronaldo the best shot of doing it. And to do that, I think the management needs to step in and, and spend the money that Definitely. you maybe don't want to. So for, for me, I think it's been a failure so far. Um, could they have won the Champions League this season? I don't think so. I think they have some good pieces there. But um, I just – and I don't know. I, I have a hard time with this just because it's we're, – we're year two in a four-year um, contract – but so far, it just hasn't worked out um, just because they won the league 
without him. The year before he came, they'd won more trophies than the year he came. Um, he hasn't come in and just automatically become the best player and been on a, a different level like he was at Real Madrid and before that. Um, so I think in just sort of the short term so far, it's just not worked out. And um, I know they were losing against Lyon. I still think they would have advanced through that. But just in the Champions League games from last year against Ajax, and even though they came back against Atletico Madrid, they, they were certain, I think, like cracks in the foundation of, of what he was supposed to bring. Because the entire reason he came was to win the Champions League. If he's not doing that, it's kind of a failure. And again, it's I think it's largely due to the management of the creativity or the lack of it from the team. Um, but I would say it's, it's slightly been a failure, but I still think there's enough time to turn this around if, you know, the money is spent um, wisely. You know, I actually compare Juve's situation with Barca's current situation just because they both have world-class generational players and they both have failed to, you know, surround them with the talent to help them win the Champions League or, you know, just constantly winning it or being a contender at least. Right. And, and I think um, that's that's a fair comparison, especially given sort of it's basically Messi and everybody else in Barca. And I would say it's kind of like Dybala and Ronaldo and everyone else. So I think it's it's different, but it's also kind of similar just because um, it just doesn't seem either team have enough mustard to sort of to make that next step. And it's more it's more complicated in Italy, I think, a little bit just because. I think the league is a little is, is stronger than um, than Spain, um, which makes it more complicated. But I think actually that that's actually a really good comparison. Um, anyway, um, so I have a question for you. you I, obviously, Max Allegri won all those trophies yeah. and left last season, and came, uh, sorry came in, and um, it's been a little good or bad, but. What are your thoughts on the like the difference between uh, Sari and um, Allegri in terms of the transition from? Well, the last I few think years? that the difference is when Allegri came to Juve, he had already won a scudetto at AC Milan, whereas Sari has never won a league title. He won the Europa League, and then they're also just different because Allegri is more tactically versatile and he's willing to change tactics, whereas Maurizio Sari is a bit more stubborn. But in saying that, if you get the players mm-hmm. that fit Saudi's system, they could, the team could really be special and they could really achieve some great results. Right. I, I, I sort of see it uh, similar. Um, I think there's neither one of them are perfect and they have differences, but I don't think Sari has the, the team that he wants and maybe that's part of it. I, I still would back Juventus um, to win it just because of Dybala. But I think um, they just don't have that, I guess, killer instinct as they've had in the years past. And I think that's that's a big problem just going forward. But if Sarri gets the, the players he wants, I, I still don't trust him completely just because I felt he could have won the league with Napoli twice. And they had momentum in both years that he did that. And Definitely. he came up short both times. Um, he's a better team maybe now, but I just feel like it's you see some of the same issues Definitely. just being repeated. Um, Daniel, what do you think about um, the, the difference between Juventus 
this year and, and last year? Oh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. Um, now I've noticed more so cracks in Juventus in way of like the midfield and defense. Normally last year with Allegri, he was like, it was more cohesive in my opinion, but just now they're seeing, they're finally showing their vulnerability, which if they aren't careful, other teams like Inter, Lazio, Napoli, Roma could take advantage of them in the future. So if they don't fix those, some of whatever is going on, other teams will ha- take that chance and run with it. So what you're saying is you think um, that teams like Roma, Atlanta, and um, Inter are better set up for the future um, over the next few years uh, over Juventus? At this point, it looks like it. Okay. I, I get that. That, make, that makes sense. Um, Juvent, the, Juventus ha, ha, still has the winning intangibles, I think, which is, I think is a, a thing that's not talked about enough. Um, but I, I, I see sort of some of the other things that are being built throughout the league. I still think Juventus are going to be in the conversation all the time. But I think it's, it's going to be not too long before someone um, takes them out. And I'll pour- um, Sorry, I just Maybe sorry this to interrupt, but yeah, I just want to point this out. I think the difference no. between Saudi and Allegri in City, I was like, with Allegri, he would he'd be able to get Juve to pull out these very tough results, whereas with Maurizio Saudi, they haven't got you know certain results that they might have under Allegri, so that's been a bit of an issue too. Yeah, I see that. Um... I mean, the game against Verona comes to mind when you said that. I think Verona's been excellent. But in a game like that, Juventus just should be winning. Um, and they had opportunities and, and several games like that where it's just sort of not been the thing. Um, so while we're on that, what's been the most discouraging thing that you've seen from your team this year? Oh, me? Oh, so yeah, obviously sorry, yeah. it's a midfield. I think the biggest – problem with our midfield is we don't have a mid a good creator in our midfield we don't like Pjanic to me hasn't performed as that Reggie star that playmaker that we signed him for I think they just haven't had a midfielder that can create and that's been a huge problem I also think they don't have midfielders that are fast enough to go up front and contribute on the offense but then run back and track back on the defensive end so I think that's been their biggest issue and their biggest pet peeve of mine so far, definitely. Okay, that makes sense. So with that being, I mean, obviously that's, those are the, the big issues. Um, one of the, the, the positives though has been Paulo Dybala's season, who I, I think has been the best player. And I, I, I think his story this season has been great because um, they tried to ship him off um, to Man United and Spurs last season, and he, he wanted to stay, and he's been tremendous. How how important has he – how valuable has do you think he's been to Juventus? And where – if without his sort of impact, where where do you think you, this Juventus team in particular would Well, you um, definitely saw last season under Likudi Dybala was being benched constantly, and their offensive – their offense wasn't nearly as dynamic, so – 
What I think Dybala does, especially in that central attacking midfield position, is he provides a link between that midfield and the attackers, which Juve definitely needs because their midfield obviously isn't up to par. So he's been so important. And honestly, every play goes through him, which is huge. I think he's been their best player by far this season. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think Dybala has been the best player in the whole league this year. I mean, he's got some tough competition with Immobile and, and Ulisic at Atlanta and people like that. But I think what makes what makes Dybala so special is yeah. he does the little things that don't yeah. necessarily show up on the score sheet, but they they directly impact the, the game itself, which is, I think, why he's been the whole engine of that team. And I think without him doing what he does – I think Juventus. I think they'd still be in the Champions League places, but I, I think I'm not sure they'd be in a title race without Dybala. And Ronaldo's been good, um, at least the second half of the season. The first half of the season, I just I couldn't really see what was going on because it just seemed he was he just wasn't at the standard that we expect from him. Um, but I think Dybala has actually helped Ronaldo turn it on, especially since like January, and that's I think that's that's really important as well. So. Um, so Danielle, you obviously are, are high in the, the ball. How, how important do you think he's been? He's to been um, a major asset. I mean, he's like right up there with in like the goal scoring count. I mean, even when he isn't scoring, he's assisting, he's also playing a defensive role. So he's more of a really well-rounded player. And if Juventus were to lose a player of his caliber, it would just probably cause problems for them going forward. I mean, he's done a lot, and he's come a long way. So if Juventus lose him, it, it could be pretty much game over for them at some point. Yeah, I, I don't think they can afford to, to lose him. And I think he might have just signed a contract extension, so I don't think they're trying to get rid of him anymore. It's kind of seen the case last year. But, yeah, like you said, he's been he's been He's an animal glorious for um yeah and it's like you look at his stats and if you don't watch Syria you would think he's had a bad season but he's had a great season he just doesn't have the numbers that show the the you know neutral fan that he's been amazing but the impact within the game has been the whole reason why Juventus are in the title race and frankly that's why I would favor them in the title race if we got to see the rest of the the time sort of play out um because he's, he's just that difference maker. And he's, he scored against Inter twice. He scored against AC Milan. He scored against a lot of these – in these big games, he's making the big plays, um, whether it's facilitating, whether it's scoring, whether it's just being the dynamo on you know, in the midfield and going forward. So I think he's just been um, terrific. Um, all right, Daniel. Um, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah, you do. Um, why did why, – why did um, why do you think Inter Milan faded down the stretch when they had momentum for the majority of the season? What what happened? Oh, there? first let me cry for a second. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm back. Um, I think the number one thing is two things. First, as we've seen in recent like seasons with Inter. What, if you're playing the same players over and over again, they're going to experience fatigue. And 
usually that's more so during like the back half of the season and you tend to see them going from a good position and first in the table then you slowly watch their descent and the problem is like keeping players fresh and energized and then the second thing is definitely Conte's tactics I mean he's a really good tactician don't get me wrong he but I mean, when it comes to facing certain opponents, you may need to step out of your comfort zone and adjust the formation. And also, um, some of his substitutions have never made any sense to me. Like, you could have a player such as Martinez playing for like 60 minutes and you're like 2-1 and, you're, you're, and you only have that one goal and you need goals they're taking him off at a time where goals are imperative and he's a proven goal scorer. So to take him off and replace him with somebody say like, Oh, I'll just throw a name out there. Stefano Sensei. I mean, he's also a good player, but he's not up to that caliper. So to see him bring a player who can create and finish goals for somebody who's there but not fully there there is just mind-blowing. So that's what I've noticed, but I'm just disappointed. It, this is just something that I've seen season after season after season being a supporter, and I'm just going to say it. I'm getting pissed. So at no point this season you thought you were going for I the title. I figured we could contend for it based on like what I saw the first half, but then once I saw those mistakes, I'm like, on second thought, probably not the first se- season out, but to go from being a threat to just taking going back into third is just sickening. Okay, I got you. So, Joseph, your team has beaten – um, enter twice this season, <laughs> and obviously they were they were in they were in the race a long time, and then all of a sudden they well, dropped out. What do you think? Uh, what happened on? with Inter this year is usually when Antonio Conte goes to teams, he makes an instant impact, and he tends to win the league the first season with them. But this season, unfortunately, Inter they bought all these players, and he was stubborn like he usually is, and uh, they ended up falling off, mm-hmm. and he ended up. You know, using the same players, not changing tactics, and now he, now the consequences are happening. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I sort of see it the same way. Um, when when Conte came, I knew there was a, a good possibility that they could go and win the league um, because he tends to do that um, a lot of the places he's gone. Um, so this is kind of uncharacteristically um, not Conte. Um, but I, I think it just come down to the way they played in the important games. Um, they've, always, they've obviously taken care of business in the Derby and stuff like that against Milan. Um, but then in the games against Juventus specifically and against Atlanta specifically, they haven't getting, gotten the appropriate points that they need in those games and they need to show up. And it's not like they played poorly in these games, but each of those games they were – clearly not I think the better team so I think as far as just that part of it I think that um and you know but I think Conte has the ability to win the league next year and they would be my favorites going into the next season 
but I think this season it just there just came a point where everything just sort of fell apart after after they so sort of hit me, that first bump. That, uh, it's tough to say for next season. I actually think that depending on who Juve signs, they'll probably they might be favorites, but I think Napoli should probably be one of the favorites next season, considering that they they have a good chance of keeping all of their core players, and they also might make some additional signings too. So I think they're definitely going to be a big threat, and I'd watch out for them next season because they'll want some vengeance. Don't you think they need to add something though? Because this season it just seemed to be a total disaster. And I know they have, I guess, more stability with um, Gattuso now, but I don't know. I just feel like they're missing a piece that um, that could be important for the title next season. And it's they got to hold on to Mertens, which was important. Um, but maybe if they add another piece, I could see that. But I don't know. I just have a hard time believing Napoli's going to be that team next year. But um, I'm okay with being proven wrong, so I hope I hope they get back to what they were before. But fair um, enough. I think I last I just season have my their doubts. core players for me, it's almost like they got uh, you know, too comfortable maybe, and maybe if they sign players that'll give them more competition, like especially at the attacking part, like especially if they get a right winger, that would be huge for them, and I think competition would reignite the squad and make them a contender again. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's see here. So, Danielle, um, obviously we talked about how Inter's shortcomings. What do you? What does Conte need in his team to win uh, the league Ooh. next season? You don't have to say specific players, just position um, needs. I think we want. could definitely use some help on the defense because the defense, we have good players in Skriniar and DeVry. But when it comes to having, I mean, Godin might is already reportedly on his way out at the end of this this season, so probably somebody to fill in the defensive line. Maybe I mean, although we already have a ton of midfielders, we need to really offload some of the dead weights, such as Destino and Valero. They've been stealing hot garbage this season. They haven't really contributed much. So maybe get offload some of the dead weight in the midfielder midfields and bring on pl- a player such as Pogba, and then I will. I'm gonna just jump it. As we all know, that Martinez is already in talks with Barcelona, and it's looking like the deal is inching closer, and his exit is inevitable. So we need to probably replace somebody even if it's just for the short term to get us the goals that we need. I'm thinking for a temporary solution until we can find someone more stable and permanent. I would go with Cavani of PSG because he is really good at scoring. His stats speak for him themselves and he would be a great addition to um, Romelu Lukaku at the top. Do you think being a Cavani or someone like that would help Lukaku a little bit more in those big, bigger games? Um, just because I think Martinez was great this year, but he's also a younger player, and Lukaku's 
Um, I don't know. I think like putting an experienced player next to Lukaku in, in, in Conte setup could be really beneficial for um, what they're going to do. I actually will agree with that. You need like somebody to like really show him the ropes and get him up to speed when it comes to those crucial matches. And especially being with the teams has such as PSG where Cavani has been a part of that team for who knows I I don't even know how long but he has won a bunch of titles over the past few seasons and to have somebody with like that winning mentality and winning those big matches would prove beneficial going forward and for the love of everything stop writing you don't need any more Um, Sorry for anyway. Um, so, uh, uh, Joseph, I see the same. What What do you think? Um, Inter need to not necessarily win the title, but well, be in the, I think the title race for a long. First of all, I'm going to go to signing. So I think I wrote an article on this actually. Uh, I think they need a right wing back, but it's going to be tough to find one that fits Conte's system, just because there's not a lot of right wing backs nowadays. And uh, I also think that. They need more depth at the center back position. I think that it's great that they have Skriniar, De Vrij, Bastoni, and all these other players, but I think they need depth just in case there's injuries. As for Marcato Martinez, I won't comment on if he's going to leave or not just because I'm generally that type of person that doesn't think that people will leave until I see the official words, so not necessarily going to comment on that position yet. Okay. That's fine. Um, no, I'm Daniel. I agree with everything you said. I think Martinez is still a question mark. Um, it's like, like Joseph said, it's not official. Um, but I think they could use another, uh, I don't know, piece in the midfield. And also I, I'd like them to sign a, a defender with more speed. Because I think um, Skriniar and, and um, De Vrij can move around, but they don't have the electric pace that maybe they could use someone. I don't I, I know names are coming to mind, but someone with, with more like more of the attacking sense, but also who can defend. I think that should be really important, especially, you know, when with coming out of the back three. Um, but I also would like for me, I think uh, just a more formidable midfield, I would get rid of uh, – Vincino, Valero, and maybe some other pieces, and and try to 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 put somebody comparable next to Erickson. Um, and I think if that happens, there's a chance that Barella could have a better season than he did. Um, but I, I just I just I just have a feeling about Inter next season that they're going to be they won't necessarily be the favorites because I think whoever wins it this year will be the favorites. But I think they they have they have a good chance of potentially win the league next season because it's 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 been a long time for them and I think they have the coach to do it. They just he needs to find the player that completely fills fits his um, I'm also gonna point system. this out. I think um, so if Inter doesn't end up getting making all these good signings in the summer, I think Conte's actually gonna have to take a hard look at himself and he's gonna have to be able to change tactics because if he's not able to adapt, they won't win this Scudetto, unfortunately for another season and they won't do well in European competition. So he has to really be flexible because 
It's not like other places, yeah. like I said earlier, where he's won the first season. So I think he needs to be, you know, he needs to be able to adapt to opponents more instead of just being stubborn and sticking to the same philosophy, the same style all the time, the same formations too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think uh, I, I do think they're going to do well, but I think Conte needs to sort of, again, kind of take a look at himself and he needs to adjust better in these sort of situations and be willing to, to try new things. Um, and just tactically, um, he loves his formation, but I think at, at times he should adjust it because a lot of the other top managers are, are adjusting the way they, they are set up and the way they play. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's really important that Conte just, um, just puts his ego aside. And I know he's got a big one, but just because just for the, the, just for the team, because they have they have a short window of, of getting that league title, I think. Um, but as long as Conte is there, I have a ch- they have a chance. But again, um, there's there's definitely some um, downsides to him. So let me ask you this, Joseph: Why do you think uh, Conte um, struggles to to do well? I think well in, in the it's like the, the cliche thing. I think he doesn't. He's not able to adapt his tactics, and that's a huge problem, especially when a lot of teams you're facing, or some teams at least, are better than you are. You're not in the league. You're not better than basically every other team, like in Serie A, on paper. So, in the Champions League, you have to be very flexible with tactics, and I don't think he has been, to be honest. Right. No, I I agree. I think that's. I also think he wears out his team. He, he runs them into the ground sometimes, and they don't have the energy to, to you know, take things on in a European competition, especially with the top of the talent in, in you know, that we have in Europe. Um, but I, I, I still have faith that they're going to turn it around next season, but Conte needs to adjust himself also, a little bit or else it's Sorry, it's I just want to – I want to point this out. When you, um, when you play the 3-5-2, especially against – you know, Barcelona's yep. and all those other clubs. You know, it's very tough because those wing backs are going to get exploited like crazy because other teams in the Champions League especially have the pace to really hurt them like crazy. And it, it really doesn't help at all for 3-5-2, especially in European competition when you're facing opponents at a higher level than you because it just, you know, wing back, it's tough for wing backs to track back, especially when you're facing such wingers, you know. Like, imagine facing Messi and you're the left wing back. How hard is that? Yeah, it's excruciatingly difficult. And, I, yeah, I agree with that. Just because, especially teams like Barcelona and Liverpool who can, can cut you pretty much whenever they want. Um, so, I think, that's, I think that's sort of where I'm at with it, too. Um, Unfortunately, I do not. Sorry, I was just checking my window, making sure no water was getting in since it's raining again. Okay, that's fine. Um, I don't. I haven't read this story extensively, um, but I'm, I'm guessing Joseph, you've you've uh, seen the yeah. um, the thing with uh, Mello and Cicciolini. Um, well, so I was just curious I what your know, point of view exactly on that is. Where, who leaked his? Uh, the quotes from his book out, but I think a lot of the stuff about Malo and Balotelli 
is pretty has been pretty commonly said across the football world, so it's nothing new. But in saying that, should the person have leaked out that stuff from Chiellini's book because it kind of cost, it kind of uh, started a bit of a feud and it, it got all this bad attention because, you know, it, it just did. Because everyone knows that Melo and Balotelli aren't, you know, great personalities to be with on the pitch and in training and stuff. But, you know, for him to say that in his book and for it to be leaked out is just not good at all. It doesn't look good on him or the people that, again, leaked it out. Chiellini's, yeah. Chiellini's. It was Cicciolini's book, right? Or Melo's? Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I, think, I think the situation makes them both look bad. Cicciolini shouldn't have said those things or just the way it just they just came off very aggressive and unnecessary um but i think the rebuttal from amelo wasn't the best either just because he um i think he just took it too personally and then he started you know taking shots at um Cicciolini about how he um won the champions league and and juventus haven't done that but as, if i remember correctly Melo did not play a big role in them winning that trophy in particular um so i think I, I think it was out of bounds from both sides. and um, But I think in some sense, he's kind of right about the Balotelli stuff. But, you know, I don't Balo's it's just the way it came across, I think. From it wasn't like Malo's, that's for sure. It was a lot more tame. The only thing is, like, he claims that, you know, Chiellini never said anything to his face. But yeah, I have a, I'm skeptical of that. I have a feeling Chiellini and other players constantly said stuff to his face in training and even in the locker room and stuff and coaches and stuff too. So I don't necessarily buy that, but who knows, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say in these situations. I just think it just, it just, I felt like it was out of bounds from both people's camps, I guess. Um, but I don't know. It, it just, I don't know. It was just a mess that exploded, uh, I think. And just, it got way too, serious um but again like you said if the if the stuff isn't leaked i don't think we're having this conversation so um speaking speaking of balotelli um obviously he was part of this whole thing um why do you think he hasn't lived up to his uh potential well, and what do you i think, think he could a big reason he why had, he hasn't lived up to his potential is because of his stuff in training and in game so his off the pitch stuff pretty much stopped when he was younger he had a couple incidents and they just stopped by you know, just the stuff you hear about in training, how he doesn't get along with teammates, how he has this big kind of ego, how, you know, even on the pitch, for example, I'll point to one moment in the 2012 Euros, it was Italy versus Spain. He's on a breakaway by himself, one-on-one -on -one with Casillas, and then he falls down on purpose to try to get a penalty, and Mancini, who was at that time, Stopped him right off because he said, we're not going to take that, you know, that BS. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I have, a, I have a problem with Mario a little bit. I think he was so talented, which is, which is the sad part of this whole thing. And I like, I, I just don't know where he goes from here because the Bracia uh, thing didn't work out as I think many people thought. And he's sort of – they're going to be relegated. And I, I, I feel like Mario's going to go to Brazil or something like that to, to finish his career or something. But I just think it's, it's so sad because he had so much potential. But it's just 
I think his character and attitude can mess, you know, obliterate a locker room sometimes just because of the, I don't know. I just, I just think he has an attitude problem and he doesn't work hard enough and uh, things like that. Um, but I think that um, he was really talented and just, he just wasted definitely. his opportunity to be sort of. Yeah, definitely. Sorry to interrupt again. Um, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, Inter and Manchester City, he was top level. He had top level talent, in my opinion. It's just, unfortunately, he never, he never could really, uh, not necessarily establish that talent. He just had all this stuff off the pitch and in training that really prevented him from being such a great player. Right. And I don't think he had the personalities around him after Man City that really could have put like pushed him in the right direction. Because Man City, he, I thought that was the, his, the big highlights of his sort of yeah. career, other than the, the, the one-year run that he went on with Italy. Um, but I just think, and even in those situations, there's been some stuff um, with Man City, but I don't know. I just think it's so sad because he was such a, a talent as a youngster, and I think at Inter and Man City, he showed the ability to be world-class, but I don't think he ever truly got to that level, and um, – I think that's mainly on him because he could have – his story could be different if he had just asserted himself in um, different uh, ways. Um, Danielle, I know you don't know Mario Balotelli that much, but do you have anything to say about this? Danielle? All right. I don't know what she is. Um, so, uh, Joseph, what, what happens, what happens with say, uh, Balotelli now, do you think? If after he wants season? to have a decent career at this point – I agree with you. I think he should move outside of Europe. I think I won't want to sign him anymore because it's obvious with Pradesha, his not just his attitude, but his talent has completely has faded a lot, in my opinion. And so I think a move to, you know, a Brazilian club or even maybe an MLS club would be decent for his career, at least. Yeah. I get that completely. Um, I think um, MLS would be actually a perfect location for him just because, um, I don't know, I think he sort of burned his bridges in Europe. And even with uh, this season, it's been uh, Yeah, I'm still here. Difficult. Danielle, you still there? All right. Um, so I, I, I was going to ask, what do you think about Mario? I know you don't know Mario Balotelli that much, um, but um, – Based on what you know, what what what's your my take philosophy on this sort of is uh, comes straight from the good book. Haughty eyes go before destruction, and pride goes before the fall. There are times where you just gotta learn to keep your mouth shut. Do you think? Do you I think, think so. He's burned his bridges in Europe. Do you think he's ruined the possibility of? So where where do you see him over the, the, the I mean, last part of his has Joseph said like, MLS would definitely be the best route for him right now because, I mean, he's already burned his bridges and once you burn bridges, it's kind of hard to rebuild them. So it's best to make a clean break and go somewhere where you're not really well known. Yeah, I got that. I I think Brazil's is the best actually from my point of view. Um, just because he would go there, he would score loads of goals. They would love him. 
he'd get paid a bunch and he could just ride off into the sunset because I think the European journey for him is, unless he stays, which I don't think he's staying where he is. Um, I think it's, it's unlikely that he'll, um, he'll be playing in Europe. And I think there's no chance he's playing for the national team again. Even if the, there was promise of a few years ago in France, but since then, I think he's just ruined his, his opportunities to sort of do that. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, so um, I'll, I'll go to you first, Danielle. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts? And I know you don't know him that well, but based on what you've seen uh, from um, Sandro Tonali. And furthermore, do you think going to a big club after just one season in Syria? Um, I know uh, he's a player on the rise. That much I can tell you. He is doing a really good job this season. And I think if I'm remembering, he plays for Brescia, right? Yeah. I mean, he's like pretty much the only player really, in my opinion, really doing much of anything. And to be honest, to have him go from Brescia to a big club after one season, it would kind of like set him back, in my opinion, because his skills aren't fully developed yet. But once he, I think you need to give him at least two, maybe three more seasons to really develop those skills or send him on, on loan to another club so he can develop. And then once he gets more of his skills developed and everything, then consider going to a bigger club because I think it's just way too soon. What do you think about him going to a – because I don't see – I don't see – because we need to see him play, and Brescia's getting relegated for sure. So do you think maybe going to a, a mid-club or – I mean, he's going to go to a big club because that's just the way the market is. But do, would, do you think going to a mid-table club like Florentina or something like that would, would benefit I him more so? I absolutely will agree with that. I mean, at least it would be going from a relegation side to a, at least another – a step up. Because if you go too fast, you're more than likely to see problems from them because they're not at that level. So if he were to go at another at a slower pace and move to a mid-level team, at least it would give him more time to grow, develop, and stuff like that. But just going to a big club, it, I seriously say it's just way too soon. Okay. Fair enough. Um, let's see. Um, Joseph, what do you what do you think about um, that? Uh, Sandra's well, Tonley going. I um, agree. I don't. What think do you think is the best move for him? It's tough to um, say. Going I forward. think at Inter, Juventus, Lazio, and even Roma, and even Atalanta, I don't think he'd start. So probably the best move for him, if he's going to, you know, go to another club, would definitely be AC Milan, just because yes, they haven't been the greatest over several seasons, and yes, I know it's a huge market, and if you screw up, then, you know, basically, you're going to get a lot of scrutiny, because they have a bunch of big papers there, but I think that'd be the best move, and I think he'd be a starter for sure. I think at Juve, I don't think he'd be a starter, just because they haven't had a good track record of uh, incorporating younger players into their lineup the last few years. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I just I just feel like he should be developing a little bit more than what what was going on. I think his his potentials is incredible. He could be a world class player, um, but I just I just feel like it just would be too soon. But AC Milan would be perfect. Um, I don't know if they would they'd be able to get him just because of his price tag, but um, where do you think he'll end up, though? Not where he should, but where he will be next season. Juventus is probably going to lose out on him just because they seem to have bigger targets, in my opinion. But, yeah, I think he'll go to Inter because I think Inter wants more depth in that midfield, and maybe he becomes a starter there because they want to get rid of some dead wood, like was mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I think Inter would be the place that would – the team that would sign him in the summer. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Inter is the the, the the best, not the best location, but I think that's where we'll end up being. Um, I don't know if we'll start, but I think being a bench, coming off the bench in, uh, in Inter is better than starting in Serie B. So I think based on his options, that's the best one. Cause I don't think like, a, like you said, I don't think Juventus gets him. I don't think Roma gets him. I don't. I think he's really talented, but I don't know if he starts for Roma, even with the, the way the team is set up. Um, just because I have more faith in some of the other players that they have that position, that he would have to come off the bench a lot of times and occasionally start. But I think enters the, is the one. Uh, Danielle, what, what would you, how would you feel of, of him joining your club? This, I actually this wouldn't season, be mad at that. Season? To be honest, I mean, yes, he's not has developed as we would want him to be, but at least to have him there to at least grow and in some capacity and hopefully become like a good threat in the future. I wouldn't be mad. All right. So, um, so I have one more question on this. Um, what, what are your guys thoughts on, um, Sort of, I mean, Andrea Pilro came out earlier talking about how great he is and other people have, have sort of said the same thing. Toti says he's, you know, the most incredible youngster in the league. Um, what, what are your thoughts about all the media um, basically hyping him up like, um, you know, like he's already made it and crowning him before he's I'll actually so, been yeah, worthy of being crowned? In any um, major soccer country, or any, yeah, any major soccer country, if a player is showing potential to be world-class one day, they will definitely get media attention. I really like him personally. I think he's the best Italian prospect right now. I like him, his defensive side of the game, and I also like you know, his offensive side. But again, you have, we have to be careful because there don't how many players have been hyped up, especially in Serie A, that have never panned out, especially the likes of you know Cassano, Alotelli, even not Chiesa yet because uh, he's yeah. still young, but yeah, there's a lot of players that have been, you know, hyped up and they haven't lived up to expectations. So we have to be careful with that for sure. Nicola Brella. Mm. All right. Sorry, my I I said Nicola Brella. Go ahead, Daniel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You just don't like him. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad it. player, but he's just overhyped. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think it's not fair on on the kid. For, I mean, Pillrow's one of the greatest players to ever play in the league, and when he's saying stuff about you, people are just gonna expect and want you know 
him to be at that level. And I, I just think it's, it's a lot of pressure to, to give an, on a 19 year old kid. And I think, I think he's special. I think he has the potential to be the best um, in, in regards of young prospects in the league right now. I think he's either number one or number two. Um, I personally, I mean, Case is a little older. I like Case's game a little bit more, but I think um, Tenali is just—he's just, just going to be something special. But we had to let him grow instead of, you know, crowning him as the the be- the next best thing because El Shirawi was the next best thing, Cassano was the next best thing, Balotelli was the next best it's thing. Unfair, so it's just like at the same time, yeah, I just I just feel like, like it's unfair where, to the kid. You know, the media attention to soccer is huge. I think you need to. As a kid, you need to be able to adapt to that, right? And I think it's good nowadays because a lot of players have agents and a lot of times these agents protect the players and, you know, people around them protect them from certain things. So I think you have to be able to adapt to that as a young player in a country like Italy for soccer. All right, for sure. Um, Let's see. All right, so speaking of, of AC Milan, because we just talked about it a little bit here, um, what do you guys think um, happened? Like, what, what, what do you think, who's the most to blame for AC Milan not being able to sort of, you know, fall off the, the map, basically? Uh, okay, how, so how do you think, I think they should go AC about AC Milan, I, I think obviously the biggest reason they declined was 2012, or sorry, yeah, 2012, they sold Thiago Silva, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and a lot of their legends that were their leaders at that time, they may have not been, you know, in their primes, but leaders like Gattuso and Zaghi, Nesta, and others, they retired. So I think that was a big reason for de- their decline. And they honestly haven't been able to rebuild since then. They haven't really fought competently enough. They haven't really spent their money right and they haven't really developed players good enough so i think that's the biggest reason why they've had a huge downfall and also just the lack of stability they haven't really had patience i think at ac milan you see multiple managers fired in a season and it just doesn't make sense i think they need more stability i think that's probably the biggest thing for them I actually agree. I mean, if you you don't have that stability and consistency to be able to go work with these players and give and get them on some sort of like regimen and you're just going from manager to manager, like a woman goes from handbag to handbag. And it's just like, why even bother being a team? Because you're not working cohesively and you need that stability to form consistency and stuff like that. So, I mean, once they get that stability, I think they could have a chance to rebuild. But until that happens, they're just going to be on a downward spiral, plain and simple. I totally agree. I agree with everything you guys just said. I would – I obviously – I've stated this before. I think Paolo de Maldini is the problem. I think needs, he needs to resign or – or step down or get fired. Um, he's not giving enough time to coaches. I think he hasn't really done anything beneficial to the club since being there. He's one of the greatest players of all time, but in the management sense, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, 
And I think uh, there's just a lot of issues here, but I think the transfer po policy um, is, is something they need to worry about too. I would actually build, if I was going to do this, I would build AC Milan a little bit like what um, Paulo Fonseca is doing with Roma, where he's getting, they're getting a lot of young talent in there and, and developing them. Um, so I think that's a route that AC Milan should consider. Um, but I think there's a lot of issues here, but I think the stability and I think uh, Paulo Maldini potentially shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be there anymore just because I don't think he's done enough to, to prove his worth of that position. That's, that's just the way I see it. All right. Um, we've got a few more um, topics here, and then there's some transfer stuff and a few questions, and then we'll get out of here. Um, so this is a simple question. Um, Atlanta has been just an amazing story over the last few years. Um, uh, so my question is, what, what are your thoughts on what they've been able to achieve? And if they're able to keep Zabata and um, Il Ilicic, and at so the defense, yeah. so is it possible I think they what Atalanta has been able to achieve over these last few seasons has been absolutely remarkable. I mean, Gasparini should be, you know, the coach of the season or at least one of the contenders, at least for the last few seasons. His work has been tremendous. I also think that, you know, they've gathered, they've scouted right. I think with the bud, when you have the budget of Atalanta, you need to be able to scout right and you need to you know, by the hidden gems, and I think they've done that. And also, on the Ilicic and Zapata topic, I think considering their ages, I don't think they're they're going to be sold just because a lot of bigger clubs are probably looking for younger players of that caliber because they're looking more into the future. But So, yeah, I think they'll definitely stay, and I think if they do stay, it'll be uh, they'll be Scudato contenders for years to come. I Danielle, totally agree. What, if they're able thoughts? to upgrade their defense and they're able to keep Illich and Zapata, they will be a real threat. I mean, what they've accomplished in the past few seasons is just amazing. And they and I will give credit where credit is due. They definitely deserve being in third place last season. And I mean it came down to the wire, but they just have overtook us in the end for that third position. So, giving credit where credit is due, if they do what is necessary to build that defense, they're off to the races. Yeah, I agree. I think it's been a tremendous story. I think Gasparini, along with Pep Guardiola, the best two managers in the world, um, he, when he took over that team, they weren't going anywhere. When he came in, things drastically changed, and they they kept on bargaining themselves into Europe just out of the gate. Um, uh, the difference with like, because I hear a lot of comparisons to Leicester, I think it's even it's not more impressive, but it's it's different because I think all of us kind of after that first year where they made they got fourth place, I think we kind of felt that they were coming. They were going to be a team that was going to be one to. Um, to deal with, and I think Gasparini has done well, especially with uh, Zabata and Ilicic, who weren't scoring at this level prior to being being there. And I think if those two guys stay healthy, they upgrade the defense a little bit. I think they're going to be right there with everyone else. Um, they're going to win. You're going to get to the 
the Champions League spot over at Roma this year, unfortunately. But I think I think they 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 have quality all over, and they'll lose some stuff, some players this summer, but they'll also upgrade and they'll also get some some guys who they can fit in there and and just be effective. So I think Alanta is just um, one of the most incredible football stories of recent time. All right, so um, this quick just quick answer here, just you can give a little detail here, but um. <laughs> Lazio are in the title race and a, a chance to win it. I obviously <laughs> hope they don't. But um, how how do you think they transformed so much in one year? And who do you think gets the most credit for this? The, I um, think I'll go season, first in this one. Um, if that's okay with you, Joseph. Okay. Um, I think just where they've come, where they came from at from the start of the season to where they are currently. I mean, first and foremost, their fans have, like, helped them through it. But team-wise, I have to give the credit to Zero and Mobley. He's the one going out there listening to the manager's directions and really going and putting in that effort and scoring those goals. So, and he's currently, I think, the top in the leaders for the Golden Boot this season. I'm not 100% positive, but... So he's second. Well, he's, he's right second. up. So he's right up there, though. I so, think so I mean, I th- if it really wasn't for him, I mean, Zaghi is a great manager, but if it really wasn't for Mobley going and executing like he has been, th- we could be having a whole different conversation right now. So, so personally, I think that uh, you know a big part of why Lazio has been a uh, title contender this season is because they've upgraded their defense. I didn't think when they signed Acerbi and uh, Lazzari, it would make them a Scudato contender, but it obviously has. They're very underrated signings, and, you know, they're the big reason why, because in previous seasons, they've had the offense in Immobile and other players. It's just they never really had the defense. Now they have the defense, so I think that's key. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would still probably say Kieran Mobley just because he tripled the amount of goals he had last season. Um, and Zaghi's done a great job with this team this year. Um, but I, I think the defense is also really important, and the goalkeeper. Uh, I think Thomas Strakowska is, is excellent, and um, he has back line in front of him, and they're scoring tons of goals. I mean, the team is loaded from top to bottom, and as much as that hurts as a Roma fan, I just think they, they have what it takes to, to to go deep in Europe and potentially win the Scudetto in the coming year. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but they have all the materials to do that. Uh, all right. So um, just one more topic, and then and then we're gonna we're gonna close out here. Um, yeah. But Daniel, you probably won't be able to answer this so much. Um, Joseph, you and I have talked about Theo Hernandez quite a bit uh, through Messenger um, about sort of. I, I was obviously feel that he's um, he's a great weapon offensively, but hasn't really done enough to deserve the praise from the defensive perspective. So my my thoughts. So my question is, what what are your thoughts on him and players like that who are sort of one dimensional? Well, I think. Why do you think the, the I think the position of left, left back and right back is changing just because I think with the formations now, you know they're expected to attack more. But on Theo Hernandez or Teo Hernandez, however you pronounce it. I think 
he's gotten a lot of hype and he's elevated AC Milan's level just because of the position there. And I mean, if he was on Juventus or Inter or even Lazio and he was making the mistakes he's making on AC Milan, I feel like he'd get a lot more scrutinized. It's just because they're in the position they are, they need a player to cling on to. And I think he's been that player, but I also think he needs definitely needs to work on the defensive side of things. I think he'd be a great winger right now just because his capabilities of, uh, you know, dribbling and his speed are tremendous. But I think on the defensive side, he really needs to improve, especially if he wants to have a long career in the league. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been on this a long time. I, I'm not in, if if you do one thing well, but you can't defend. I'm not interested. Um, I think he's he's such a weapon offensively, which is I think he might be a better winger actually. But I see him play all the time, and I see players just dribble past him like he's not even there. And he's the reason AC Milan are doing well, but he's also the reason they're conceding. Um, but it, like you said, the tactics are changing, and it, it, the responsibilities of just that position is changing. But I just prefer people like Lazari and um, and uh, Di Lorenzo who do both things well, and I think that's important. I don't want a player who's just doing one thing. Well, I want them to be able to go forward and defend. And if I'm picking between two, I'd rather have a guy who can defend just all the time rather than a guy who's just um, you know contributing in the attacking sense. But I think um, the position's changing. We have to adapt to that. And I hope, I really hope he he improves defensively. Um, but personally, I just think he might be end up being. I think the praise for um, Teo Hernandez winger, also goes um, to just in general how football is viewed so nowadays. Harassing. I think you know a lot of people don't, a lot of fans don't appreciate the defensive side of the game. They just like the flashy offensive style. Like I was doing, for example, I'm doing a poll right now, and it was like, who would you pick at left back for a Serie A starting European starting eleven, and overwhelmingly Teo Hernandez won, which is interesting and shows you how different fans are and how different they look at the game now. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just think the offensive side of the game is just, it's more, I don't know, sexy is more attractive and that's why people sway the other way. But, yeah. I I just I just want my if I have a I want my left back to be able to defend and go forward, and I just think um, that's kind of got lost in the weeds. But um, hopefully, um, we see more guys who can do both. And if Hernandez can do both, he's going to be also. A I'll point player. this but out. So as it stands before right they now, used he needs to, to use the four four two a lot, right? Which in the four four two, the le- the fullbacks didn't have to attack as much. They had less responsibility because. You had those left and right midfielders that would be the guys that would track back on defense and deliver the offense. So I think without the four four two, the fullbacks have had more responsibility for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so moving on. Um, so the Sanzer was supposedly supposed to be um, is being knocked down. Uh, as Inter Milan fan, Daniel, who's, who haven't actually been able to go there, how does it feel with that when you heard the news? What went through your head? I'm just upset, man, because it's like I never got the chance to go to, and 
experience what it was like being in that building. Um, of course, hopefully, once they build the new stadium, I'll be able to go at some point. But just hearing that just broke my heart because that stadium has a lot of history written all over every corner of it. And, but as they say, as one chapter closes, another one begins. So hopefully this will bring AC Milan and Inter into a brighter future. Although Inter more than AC Milan because I hate you. So first of all, this this has been rumors. Uh, Joseph, for years, what do you think about think the sensor being The one shut thing down. I'll clarify is that they didn't necessarily. It won't necessarily be torn down. It's just it can be torn down, and there's still with Italy, especially with building stadiums. It's a huge thing where there's a lot of red tape with permits and that. So who knows if it it's worth it to actually tear it down or just renovate it. To be honest, but yeah, I think it would suck for it to be torn down for the sentimental value, but in saying that, I think the way these new stadiums are and the owners of the clubs make more money off the revenue from the stadium nowadays, especially in Italy, so it would probably help the club more than it would hurt it, to be honest. Yeah, I get that aspect. I'm sure the new stadium will be great, but... um... I don't know. I've always referred to the San Siro as football's cathedral. I think it's it's one of my favorite stadiums, and um, not being able to go and experience that is gonna, also cons- you know it's going to be rough. But you know, hopefully this with this at least I got a three D puzzle. <laughs> All right. Um, so I got some transfer questions, and then two more topics at the end, and then we'll get out of here. Um, so my question, me and me and um, Joseph was, both have written about this differently, but um, in regards to Moise Keane, what's the best fit for him and sort of a place where he can um, rebuild his reputation? I just want to give everyone some context of what's the red flags that come with him. Um, he was dropped this year um, from Everton for disciplinary re- reasons, being late to meetings. He had a party during the COVID-19 outbreak. Um uh, his father had said that he wanted him to join Roma and, and saying that Everton going there was a mistake. He attacked him on Instagram a few days ago. So, so given all the red flags that occur with this, best, what is the best uh, destination for him and why? Roma, I agree with you there just because I think it's not, it's not an environment right now where you're getting heavily scrutinized. And it's also been stuck on players think that he's young right so you can instill these disciplinary you know ideas within him so that he doesn't this behavior doesn't reoccur so I think Roma would be the best and I also think he would get playing time there because he'd be a great backup for Jekyll off the bench I think if he went to a club like maybe Inted he probably wouldn't get playing time and also maybe Napoli would be a good club for him I think Gattuso would straighten him out that's for sure so yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think Napoli and Roma are the two. I think Roma, I think they have an advantage just because um, he, he's really good friends with um, uh, Zaniolo, and I think he would help him get back on track. And I think just 
the culture wrong was is could could help him to sort of rebuild that reputation because he's a really talented player. And plus, we need a backup for Jekko, someone who can go in and even start games occasionally. And he's got the talent to do it. And I think being in a better circumstance like Roma or Napoli, because of Gattuso, obviously, um, he wouldn't he wouldn't you know stand for BS. Um, I think those those two places are the only places that I think he could really rebuild it. If he goes somewhere else, I would fear that he would go back to what he did during the Everton time. So that that's I think yeah. Roma would Daniel, definitely be a good fit for him. Because Roma tend to have a little bit more discipline, so and they do not tolerate like shenanigans and antics. Has stated, has we just heard, like by starting parties during this whole coronavirus thing when people are supposed to be staying home. Um, so Roma, in my opinion, would definitely be a good fit for him to just like get his act together, if that's the way to word it. But that's all I gotta say about that. All right. Um, so I'm going to go back to you again, Danielle. Um, <clears throat> there's a report out that uh, Amaro Cardi could stay at PSG next season. Um, is it a good move? Why or why not? And if first not, of all, if that's the case, goodbye and good riddance. I love you, Cardi, but it's time for you to go. So it would def- um, PSG is definitely a great place for him because it would definitely be away from Syria where he's already been painted in a bad light and no team really wants to sign somebody because of his wife and having that, as you like to call her, the snake in the grass. Um, so just going to another league and starting fresh would definitely be a huge advantage for him and his wife because you really haven't heard anything out of the media from them in France so if they were to just completely break out ties with Italy and go their separate ways, more power to them. So, so for me personally, I think that Icardi staying at PSG is a really good move just because, again, he won't be the center of attention there. He won't be the guy carrying the team. They have so many other great players. At Inter, unfortunately, he was the captain. He was the guy leading the team. So I don't think he's he's a great player, but I don't think he's – the type that can take that responsibility thing on being such a great player. And I also think, too, that uh, he'd be – ideally, he'd be good at Napoli just because, again, you have Gattuso there who wouldn't stand yeah. for BS, same as De Laurentiis, and he would definitely be a starter there. And he – I think even Koulibaly would straighten him out. Yeah, I agree. Um, Paris, I think, is the best destination for him. Um, they're going to lose Mbappe in a few years. Uh, he, he's had a great season there. There's been nothing coming out of the media and negativity about him. Uh, he's had a great season. Um, he, he won the league this year with, with Paris. Um, and, I, and, again, it's just there's no drama there. When you go out to Italy, there's always a, always a risk of drama being reignited uh, there. But there are two other places that I think work. Uh, as Joseph just stated, I think Napoli works because of Gattuso and De Laurentiis. Are, they're not going to allow him to sort of do – to pull his old tricks. Um, and I think PSG also just because they want – I think they want him to stay. And the, only, the other one I can think of is Atletico Madrid for kind of the same reasons I think Napoli might be a good one just because of the um, – uh, of the, the, 
the standing of of Simeone and the people up there, I think they would they wouldn't allow him to get away with that sort of thing. Um, and I think he will end up going to PSG, and they'll enter and, and uh, Paris will find an agreement on the sale. But um, and I think that's going to be the best thing for him for the next you know five ten years of his Definitely. career, and he can again rebuild his reputation. Uh, be, but Italy, it's always a risk just because of what his wife is capable of. All right. Um, so just I got just two more questions before we head out of here. Um, g- given the financial situation of the COVID-19, do you think that the transfer window sh- could be potentially should be so suspended until January to allow the clubs to thing, sort of, I think uh, recuperate some, will lose some of the money, money that they lost? Be able to recover eventually, whereas you know, clubs like Bradasha, for example, like if they don't sell Tonali and they keep them, it might hurt them like crazy, right? And because they're already losing money and they're probably going to be relegated. So, you know, not selling a guy like Tonali would probably hurt them. So I think it goes both ways. I don't really have a particular stance. I think it just depends on the club. Yeah, right. I think it's something that may need to be considered just because of all all the the money that's being lost. But then again, it seems like breaks are going to are going to it's going to be difficult um, with everything and making people unhappy because of all that. But I don't think it's a it's a simple question. But I think there there are good negative parts and positive parts of both. But we're just in such a negative money situation that I don't know. I just think the, the transfer values of players are going to go down and the clubs aren't going to get the money they would have gotten. And I think that's where this whole equation comes in. I think, um, it, but, should uh, just, Danielle, I, I think it should just be suspended until January, as you guys are stating, just because of not having that revenue coming in. And Joseph did make a good point. I mean, if you're a bigger club, it's not going to hurt you as much. But if you're a smaller club, it just is going to make things more difficult. So just to give people like a clean slate, it definitely would make sense to wait until January to open it up. All right. So the last question, and uh, I'll close out after we answer this. Um, what, what do you think today are the best four leagues in the world? And maybe give a little, a little context of why. Um, okay. Daniel, I'm going to go to you first, first and foremost. I would have to say, I mean, th- it, this one is real, real close. Um, I would have to say Bundesliga, just because of like the intensity that is used in their attacking, and it's like very fun to watch, especially that one goal last week. Oh my gosh, that was dirty. Oh. <laughs> And then second place would be Syria, just because they're also intense and they're really good. Fun, all, they're also fun to watch. Then I would have to. Are we talking like in general, or are we talking about like the top like five leagues? In, no, in in the world. Okay, um, ranking the top four. Then I would have to say. I mean, this one is totally underrated. It doesn't get the credit it deserves. Um, Liga MX, it, it they're just fun to watch, and they they have a lot of great talent in that league, and they don't get enough recognition. 
And then I would have to say the English Premier League because, I mean, it's not because the we know that there are certain teams that are just going to rotate every year, like Liverpool, Manchester City, and all that. So it's kind of like not as fun to watch, but if you're me, you take what you can get. All right. Well, I would say... I would say Italy, but it's hanging on by a thread. Um, I think the Bundesliga is really close. I think those two, they're hard to separate just because they have certain qualities and neg- negatives about each league that kind of cancel each other out just because um, there's so much quality in the both leagues. And I think generally in, in the, the world of football, they get disrespected more than other leagues. And they're actually low-key, they're the two best. So I'd say Italy first. Uh, I'd say Germany second. Um, the Premier League would be my third. Um I think it's a really good league for a long time. It was the best, but I think it's starting to, um, you know, it's, it's starting not to be, but I, I still think they're, they're fun games to watch. They're really, there's just a lot of good aspects of it. And then I'd probably say La Liga, but I really like the Dutch so, league as well. But okay, so it'd so be Italy, me, Germany, I'm going to have um, to, it hurts England, me to say this Spain. as a huge city off him, but I think the Premier League has to be number one. I think it's slightly more it does they have more overall talent than City A. And I also think but I also think that's smart because over the years they were able to, you know, market the league like crazy around the world over the past ten years. And as a result, you know, there's been a lot of the clubs have gained more revenue because of that. So I think number one number two Sedia A, I think it's improving every year since 2016 from when it was at its lowest point, in my opinion. And I think as clubs get more money and as they can make these signings, I think it'll be a better overall league. My third would have to be Bundesliga. I really like the league. I think it's underrated. Yes, Bayern dominates the league, but I also think I like these other teams. I like the way they play, the open style. The defending is a bit shaky, but you know what? I like the league. Number four, I'd have to put at La Liga. I think with Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, and all these players, I think they were probably number two. But their quality has dropped off a lot. I mean, even Atletico Madrid aren't the same as they used to be. So I'm going to put that at number four. Although... Who knows? Maybe Barca or Real Madrid make a marquee signing and then they go back into the top three again, in my view. All right. Um, so I'm just going to take this last moment to, if we want to uh, plug anything or say it was, anything. It was a um, pleasure uh, and, uh, being then on we'll your podcast. Thank, thank really you so much for coming on. This has been, it was, this has been great. Last week, but um, it was a pleasure being on. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll do this again when Ryan's um, on here. Um, he's, he's usually better at the whole hosting thing and, um, he, he likes sort of asking questions and stuff like that. So we'll do this again, but um, just because we couldn't do it this week. So anyway, thanks. Um, so for me, um, so I have, I have something coming up uh, pretty soon. Um, I have potentially going to be working with someone who used to play professional football. 
she, she a, a woman who who was the third highest scoring uh, player in uh, the history of Minnesota high school soccer, who scored 145 goals in four seasons for two schools. Um, so me and her are supposed to have a, a phone conversation on Tuesday um, about uh, potentially working together. So I'm really excited about that. And I got some other stuff kind of going on. Um, I'm going to collab be collaborating with a bunch of other young players as well, or at least trying to just to do something different because I don't think I'm going to be able to do what I did last year um, because of the, the virus and the, the attendance and games isn't going to be the same. Um, and you can find all my stuff at everythingroma.blog. Uh, Daniel, um, you got anything to plug? I am currently in the works of starting to do what you're doing, reaching out to players. And even if it's not doing like full on like life projects, if you will, it's just going to be a simple like interview segment where I would type out the questions and I would just type out their response and just give a little insight to that player. So currently I'm working on trying to land my first ever person. So wish me luck guys. So, um, but other than that, I'm also working with a, another site called back of the net soccer. If you haven't checked them out, go on Instagram and give them a follow. Um, I'm currently doing some pieces for them to keep myself occupied at the moment. Wow, and awesome, other guys. than that, yeah. that's pretty I mean, much it. I, uh, I've been called to improve my site. You know, one thing that was a big pet peeve of mine, and I've said this on other podcasts, is I didn't know how to integrate my social media platforms onto my website, and I finally figured that out. And I'm just trying to constantly improve, you know, my website, my blogs. I'm also trying to adjust my social media a bit more to what users want as opposed to the content that I want to put out. So. Yeah, and I'm also doing Instagram Live, weekly Instagram Live. So if any of you guys want to be on an Instagram Live, please tell me. I've also figured out how to save it. Oh, yeah? I think you can do one only one. You can speak to only one other person. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Oh, I'd love so to. If, you guys, if all three of you want, you guys could do like a tag team or you, you could do it on separate weeks. I don't know what everyone want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, so, we'll figure it out. Sounds good though. All right, um, so I guess that's the show. Um, thank you everyone who listened. Um, uh, this podcast will probably come out tomorrow. I'm going to let Ryan handle it because uh, I think we had to cut some of the, the beginning of it um, just because we couldn't get the call right. Um, we might, I don't know for sure, but maybe uh, Ryan and I or uh, Danielle will do a Bundesliga episode um, sometime this week or maybe uh, next weekend as, as per usual. Um, other than that, um, uh, thanks everybody who, who 